0: Get ready. It's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: Wrong. Jacob Seelman is not even in the building this evening. Jacob Seelman is moving at the speed of limit, home from Martinsville Speedway, where he will join us in the Race Chaser studios here shortly probably sometime in the second hour of tonight's motorsports madness show in the meantime y'all are stuck with us my name is tom baker from race chaser media and my colleagues for this show tonight include chris murdoch and cisco scaramuza via the race chaser skype line steve ovens will be joining us shortly as well and we are going to have a great show tonight. Geo Selzy from the World of Outlaws Tour. This young man is a rookie in the Outlaws Sprint Tour, and he is really making some rapid progress. We're going to be talking with him in the next hour. But Chris Murdoch, finally, 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 for the first time in six years, Clint Boyer goes to Victory Lane And how appropriate is it that he does it on the type of track that he made his name on prior to NASCAR, except it isn't dirt, a short track. Clint Boyer wins Martinsville. How cool is that? Uh 190
2: starts to be exact, Tom. We, I think we all said it. I know Steve said it at one point. You've probably said it. I think we've all said it on this show at one point or another that we all knew that Clint Boyer was going to get a win at some point. He's had such a great start to the year. The second best, in my opinion, of the Stuart Hawks cars, other than uh, – Kevin, uh, other than Kevin Harvick, who's also had a pretty dominant run, but Stuart Hosh, just out of the gates, really strong
1: uh, at the first part of the season. Well, you know what's interesting, Cisco, Kurt Busch. I mean, Kurt's not running for wins yet, but he and Eric Almirola are both strong. And as Chris said, really, that whole team, you're just waiting for those two. I mean, Eric obviously was half a lap away from glory at Daytona, but, you know, those two, you're waiting for those two to step up and start chasing wins here, uh, you got to believe they're close. This was a big deal for that whole team uh, and Clint Boyer as well. That monkey went flying off his back and right up the hill and was gone.
3: Yeah, no, it, it it's scary that this is one of, I'd say, two four-car teams that are really gunning for people this year. You know, Penske's a three-car operation. I'd throw them in the mix otherwise, but... This, this is scary. I mean, all four of them were in the top 10. All four of them should have been in the top 10 today, if not for the speed guns catching Eric Amaral. And, of course, we do want to say, Jacob Seelman's not setting off those speed guns. He's running the legal speed limit. Absolutely. That's what I said. He's eh, driving at the speed no, of the uh, limit. No, Chris, he's driving the speed limit. He's absolutely driving are, are we the putting, speed are limit.
2: Are we putting quotation marks on, on that? But, uh, you know, just seeing the excitement on Clint Boyer's face really put that whole race into per, perspective and, you know, how much of a struggle it's been over the past six years for him to get that win and to finally, like you said, Tom, get that monkey off his back was just amazing, you know, a, an amazing sight to see. You could barely keep him standing still on the front stretch. He was running around asking for drinks.
1: It was just a crazy sight to see if theme of that one. Steve, I believe the quote was, give me one of those damn beers. Yeah, give me one of those damn beers, he said.
4: But, guys, here's the thing for me. For the first time that I can remember in Clint Boyer's career, we've seen him be serious and talk about his passion for dirt racing and things like that. When was that? in the Midwest. I must have missed that one. Well, but... I mean, serious in in talking about his passion for those things, Um, what we what we haven't seen and I've never seen is his emotion like he he broke down talking about having his kids in victory lane. And, you know, I think that that is something that is welcomed. I love seeing that that shows you just how much it means to win these races on the Monster Energy Cup Series.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this. I was trying to think of the last time that there was a win in the Cup Series that was this emotional. You know, this that that was this exciting for the collective fandom. You know, I mean, who could not be happy, Cisco, with. <laughs> you know, with Clint Boyer winning. If you're not happy that Clint Boyer won today, then you need to go like watch soap operas or something. The last
3: time I remember the fan base being this happy about a win, just in general, I'm going to go back to front rows, win at Talladega. That's probably the last one that I remember that had this big of an effect. And
1: it's similar circumstances, honestly. Or Chris, I was just thinking about, Tony's last win out in California his last season
2: yeah it it was definitely emotional to say the least guys and I just thought it was uh just interesting I mean when you can give the commentators a heart attack like you know he did going off into turn three at almost 80 miles an hour basically drifting into the corner he was so happy uh It was just such a a great race. The racing all night or or all day, I should say, considering uh, it got postponed till today, you know, with the trucks leading up into the cup, it was just a great day of racing in NASCAR and and what a better track to have it, A, a, a twofer than Martinsville.
1: Yeah, I mean, Steve, when you look at this win in the big picture of what Clint's been through over the last couple of years you kind of wonder if this doesn't turn into a momentum build. I'm not saying he's going to go in Texas. Although, if throwing the biggest party, probably since Tony's last win (laughs) counts as a win, he's going to win big for the next couple of days. Yeah, Uh, but Steve, I really, I think this could do wonders for that 14 team. You've got to believe that, the the confidence boost from this carries over and even if they don't win you're going to be hearing and seeing a lot more of this uh 14 car I think as we go forward. I don't believe this was a fluke.
4: Well, and and this is a shot in the arm not just to to SHR, but this is a shot in the arm for that 14 team in particular because you know, SHR has won 4 out of the first 6 races in 2018 let that sink in for a second and now the 14 team has one of those that has got to be a shot in the arm for these guys it's certainly a shot in the arm for Clint boyer because there were several times last season where you thought boy if boyer just had another six months another 12 months with this team there were several occasions last year where they could have been in victory lane the circumstances just didn't go the right way, and you guys are right. And and I think everybody's saying it after this race, Chris, is yes, this could turn into, you know, four or five wins before they're done. And you know, this this is this is huge. You got to get that first one off your back.
2: You're exactly right, Steve. And you know, Jacob and I had the opportunity to talk to him a few months ago back at Media Tour, and he said, you know every year in the eyes of some fans can be a potentially bad year for you. And it's really just getting back on track, keeping focused and his mindset. When we got to talk to him in person that day, he was just ready to attack this season head on with a new, with a new, you know, mentality. And it's really shown because he's really attacked this year and really come out and given his best and has really proven a lot of people wrong with the start of this season.
3: And I'm worried that if we didn't see this happen and we saw the 14 performance from one year ago, I'm worried about at that point, you know, Clint Boyer's confidence in himself, you know, at that point, you know, the doubt starts to slip into the mind. Is this going to happen? And I'm sure it already had been doing for some time. But the this just the amazingness of this victory, you know, having his family there, too. That was a home game, as Mike Joy said on the broadcast for him, you know, so much just love and support from that whole team.
1: And, you know, that's just it's just cool, guys. It's cool. Well, you know, when you, when you see the winner start doing his burnout before he even gets into turn three, you know, this is kind a John of a, force. Yeah. <laughs> this is a special day for him when uh, when he can't even get back to the finish line before he starts doing his burnout. But, you know, the way that he dominated this race really was. Spectacular, Steve.
4: Well, it was, but guys, let's not also forget that, you know, to win these races, you've got to have a great team, you've got to have course. a great car. Yeah. And every once in a while you gotta have luck on your side too. Because let's not forget this we almost weren't talking about Clint Boyer winning this race because they didn't get enough fuel in the car and they caught a caution at the perfect time. To get that car back down pit road, get him fueled up and and be able to make it without having to pit under green. And at Martinsville, Cisco, that was
3: huge. And the payoff for me is at the end of the day, at the end of this race, this was either going to go two ways. It was either going to be we were going to have the streak breaking win of Clint Boyer or the landmark win of Ryan Blaney. So I'm okay either way because both of those work for me.
2: Yeah. And man, was Martinsville trying to take that win away from him. I mean, having Burton, all those people just have those failures within like the final 10 laps, McMurray smoking, all these people just coming down within the final few laps. It almost looked like Martinsville was trying to give Kyle Bush a caution. How about Kyle Bush finishing second once again? Well, he just can't get out of
1: that second place. No. And I've never seen a driver. In all the years I've been in the sport, I've never seen a driver so dejected about a series of second-place finishes. I mean, I understand you're not winning, but good grief. I mean, he's done everything, but, you know, it's like, cheer up, Kyle. It could be worse. Yeah, it could be a DNF. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more from Martinsville Cup. We'll talk Martinsville trucks. We'll talk F1 coming up. We've got a lot to talk about, actually, on this show, and we will do all of that before we're done. We'll be back on Motorsports Madness right here on The Voice of Motorsports, the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay with us.
8: Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. The voice of motorsports, Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, and Steve Ovens right now. Jacob Seelman will be joining us later on. He is... Rolling on down the highway. We need Bachman-Turner Overdrive for this. He's rolling down the highway for um, from, from Martinsville, and will be joining us. He's rolling down the highway and taking care of business. Taking care of business, you betcha. And he'll be with us in the second hour. Uh, we've got uh, all kinds of stuff to talk about before we're done with this show. But right now, I want to talk about the cup race, but I want to do so in a little different manner. Let's do some checkered flags, black flags. And I'm going to go around the table here, and I'll start with Cisco. Give me one checkered flag, besides Clint Boyer. Give me one checkered flag from today's STP 500. The checkered flag that
3: I am going to give for this week's race is going to go to Ryan Blaney. I was happy with the performance, but the biggest thing that I saw out of him was veteran esque moves because he waited till the second segment or so to really start that dominance. And it's, I feel like Martinsville kind of races a little bit like Myrtle beach in the sense to where you don't want to blow all your stuff right at the beginning. You want to be able to have a car midway through the race. Now, yes, he finished third. He didn't win the race. So obviously there's still some learning to be done, but great job, Ryan Blaney. As I said, like right before we went to break the black flag, I'm going to give, is not a person in particular, I'm going to give it to the air guns because this is getting ridiculous, guys. Air guns work or get ones that do. This is not hard. This has not been an issue in years past. But the moment we mandate them, all of a sudden they explode. Every single week, this is getting stupid. Fix this
1: NASCAR. Well, while we... uh. Give Cisco a little bit of Ritalin. We will move on to Chris. Give me a checkered flag. And if you have one, a black flag, or if you don't have a checkered, just give me a black.
2: Um, I, I do have a, a, a checkered flag out of Martinsville, and I think it's going to be the number 88 of Alex Bowman we saw some fire out of him and some aggression at Martinsville tonight running around the top 10 all day even getting into a little spat with Brad Keselowski there that involves some break check and I'm liking the attitude that I'm seeing out of the 88 of Alex Bowman and, and, and getting up there and trying to get up and uh run with everybody it, he's been missing the past few weeks and it's nice to see him up there and running well at, at Martinsville uh my black flag i would have to say is bubba i mean he just the day just got him he just did not have the day he needed to blowing the tire going down a lap he's just hasn't had the past few weeks that he's needed and this didn't help any better bubba just had a tough race
1: yeah that's uh it's really been a rough start to the season for the 43 team but i feel like uh their better days are certainly coming we'll move on to steve Well, my checkered flag for
4: today's race with the Monster Energy Cup Series goes to the Dinger, A.J. Elmendinger. There wasn't a a period of time that I can remember, a long period of time in the race where Dinger wasn't in the top 10. Great run for that 47 team at a track that we are coming to expect him to run fairly well at. So uh, my checkered flag certainly goes to the 47. Ironically... I, or, or maybe, uh, let's say, hmm. How about my black, <laughs> my black flag coincidentally goes one number past the 47 survey says Johnson 48 black flag. Why? 15th at Martinsville, Jimmy Johnson, 15th at Martinsville. And you guys aren't hitting the panic button. You, you got to give Cisco Ritalin. Prozac, give him Valium. I don't care. He was struggling to stay in
2: the top 10 all (laughs) day.
4: It is time to hit the panic button for the 48 car. 15th at Martinsville and digging and clawing just to get in the top 10 only to fall back out of the top 10? Come on guys, there is something seriously wrong over there on
3: the property at Hendrick Motorsports. Okay, Cisco,
1: I'll let you in the door before I give you mine.
3: I'll, uh, I'll I'll defend Jimmy to the ends of the earth, but you're absolutely right, Steve. This is this is not good. <laughs> I even I even picked him for this week. Yes, I'm getting on Steve, board.
8: Finally, Steve. Steve fire is the, excited. Fire the guy weeks after mom. weeks, Cisco weeks will defend the guy with the
3: janitor. No, you're absolutely right. This is a Hendrick track, and when Alex Bowman is finishing ahead of Jimmy Johnson, I have to worry because while the 88's been decent at Martinsville, that 48
1: should have been a whole lot better. Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott in the top 10, oh, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Let the record show I'm
4: hashtag standing up. Thank you, Cisco. Thank you, Cisco. (laughs) Cisco
1: will defend Jimmy to the ends of the earth except for today. That's basically the way that works. Okay, so I'm gonna jump in here. My checkered flag actually is going to go to a driver who finished well, didn't stand out, but finished well and did what he had to do. Kevin Harvick, top five at Martinsville. Again, I could extend this to the whole Stuart Haas team because even though Almarella was 14th and Kurt Busch 11th, that team is on a roll right now. And it's not the fact that they're all running for wins. They're just also doggone consistent. My black flag goes not to jimmy johnson but my black flag goes to a driver who barely showed up today ricky stenhouse jr and it's not directed at ricky in a personal way just from a performance standpoint here's a driver who last year ran in the top 10 at times at martinsville and this year yikes that was bad I know it was a backup car but it was still bad I mean not a good weekend really for Roush Fenway as a whole but certainly not a good weekend for Ricky Stenhouse at this point I think uh, you would have to expect something better Cisco than than that uh, out of both he and Bain I think on a short track ought to be a little better than they they are at this point did they get a chance to even put
3: any laps on that backup car whatsoever? Well, they may like, not have, but I mean,
1: gosh, cause that's <laughs> what I'm
3: thinking because they crashed in practice. Yeah, they obviously you're not going to get the backup car out in time for practice, and then everything up until the race was snowed out, right?
1: Yeah, but you got to be able to, uh, you know, you just got to be able to no adjust laps better than on, that. Really? You know, yeah. I I'm sorry. I just Roush Fenway may not be an elite team at this point in the same sense of uh, Martin Truex or uh, Kyle Busch, you know Joe Gibbs, whatever. But good gosh, I mean, you've got to do better than that. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, no laps on the car
3: whatsoever the whole weekend. But you, you expect you, them to go out and run decent? Like I, I'd expect, I'd be surprised if JGR could pull that off.
1: Yeah, but off the trailer, well, no, I see. Actually, so, uh, you got. I mean, off the trailer, you, you, he finished thirty seventh. I mean. You know, Cisco, and he wasn't Cisco, running. this is
4: the Monster Energy Cup. It's exactly.
1: Not You've got to be Arca. able to pull a backup out and at least make it competitive enough for a top 10 or 15 run. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I'm not, you, all right. you know, this is the top series. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think there are a couple of stories here that we really haven't touched on yet that were really kind of cool stories. First of all, I mean, Paul Menard finished 13th, and I've been... You Know one of the biggest sort of not really critics, but just I'm not ready to jump on the Paul Menard is going to light the world on fire in the Wood Brothers for bandwagon up to today. Um, you know what, guys? I mean, he didn't run good on short runs, but on long runs, he was good and he was inside the top 10 a couple times. I mean, you know, I thought he did a nice job, but of course, you know, again. <laughs> You had a very unusual race, and I think we should give a checkered flag collectively to every driver who started this race, because we, I mean, the amount of cautions you had, this is Martinsville. Uh, You had more cautions for stage breaks than you had for incidents, I believe, or about the same. Four caution flags
3: versus uh, two stage breaks.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, well, you're right, because we did have... We did have a couple of because we had a comp in, too. In so the, actually well, we had a debris caution.
3: caution flags versus and not two of them, but also two stage breaks as well. Yeah,
1: so I mean, basically they're just. I mean, at this point, this was about the cleanest Martinsville Cup race I remember in years. I mean, I don't remember the last time that, it, and really the, the truck race was pretty much the same today, which we'll get to in the next segment, uh, Chris. But I mean, I thought. For the amount of time that those guys sat idle, I mean, I I think Ben Rhodes must have, he must have a truck series record for the longest uh, stint as the leader of a race. I mean, it was like 45 hours or something. Um, I thought both series really, in terms of the whole of it, I thought both series put on a whale of a show and kept the racing clean and just, I, I I, really was surprised, honestly, Steve.
4: Well, yeah, and, you know, talking about whether it's the cup race or the truck race, I mean, the cup race in particular, you know, there there was, you know, to say that there wasn't a lot of cautions, you know, that's not to say that it was a bad race either because, and, and it's not to say that there wasn't a lot of beating and banging through the, the field because there was, I mean, I thought that the, the tell the television coverage from Fox was really, uh, did a nice job of showing some of the battles throughout the field, not only in the truck race, but in the cup race as well. So, yeah, you know, th- there was a lot of good racing. There just wasn't a lot of crashing and yellow flags. So, and Hey, what's wrong with that? I love it.
2: Yeah. I think these guys really push their limits today, Tom, you know, if you looked at some of the cars that were on pit road, uh, they were beaten to all get out on the track and it was still a clean race. So they really pushed these cars to their limits, used up as much track as they could and really beaten and and really brought to life
1: what Martinsville is about. Yes. Four cautions for 33 laps, including the stage breaks. I thought it was about the same and that is just really rare for a monster energy NASCAR cup series race. And we had, a really, really clean race today at Martinsville. I guess when you run on a green track after it snows, you get uh, clean racing. Or maybe they were just that much more conservative. At any rate, we'll step aside. When we come back, we talk trucks. And we may throw in some Formula One at some point as well, but we're going to do it before the show ends. We got all kinds of conversation coming up, including Gio Selzy. And oh, by the way, before the show is over, Jacob Seelman will be back in the Race to the USA PMN studios and we'll get his take on the day as well. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, where the only place there is on the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: or you can email them at office at com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right
1: way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America.
8: I'm
3: Dalton Sargent, and you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Okay. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, Steve Ovens, and Bill Holt behind the glass, punching all the right buttons. Did you know that you can listen to Motorsports Madness on demand if you miss the live show, which of course airs Monday nights at 7 Eastern here on the Performance Motorsports Network. We also re-air at 8.30 p.m. Pacific, which is 11.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. And we will re-air at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, Eastern Time here on the network. Tomorrow night at 7, Wednesday morning at 8, And 10 o'clock Wednesday night, as well as Thursday at noon and Friday at 8 a.m. But if you have either iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, or Google Play, you can just subscribe to Race Chaser Radio on any of those platforms iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and Google Play. Subscribe to Race Chaser Radio. You'll automatically be notified when the uh, next show is in there. Of course, the feed updates automatically, so you can listen to it on demand at any time. Please go and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, by the way. We know that a lot of you like that as well. So it is free. That is free that means it doesn't cost you anything so please go and subscribe so you can listen to us on demand steve-o uh trucks 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 trucks
4: well i was just gonna say tom you mean i can go subscribe and then i can download and listen to it anytime
1: that's exactly right perfect and you can listen to it multiple times if you're really just hard up for uh entertainment Let's do it, man. Let's, Let's do it. Go enough. Go subscribe. Uh, SoundCloud.com or any of the major platforms are on just about all of them. We're going to be soon on Spotify. That's coming up in about a week or two. So uh, we are basically spreading our wings a little bit here. So with that, again, trucks, 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 trucks. And what a race this was. Just when you thought Ben Rhodes was going to dominate the race, well... <laughs> You were wrong. You were wrong. (laughs) this
3: summer, John Hunter Nemechek wins at Martinsville. Yeah, it ended
1: up being... I thought that that pass that John Hunter made, for those of you who didn't get to watch it because you had real jobs, uh, John Hunter Nemechek made a three-wide pass on a late-race restart and took over the lead, never gave it up. I mean, he just... It was really fun to watch. Honestly, it was a close finish. Uh, I mean, you can't say enough about the performance, really, of Kyle Benjamin driving the 54 truck uh, for David Gilliland, who at one point had to watch that truck leading, which he owns, and his son, Todd, in the Kyle Busch truck chasing him down. But Todd made a couple of uh, small errors in judgment and cost himself a shot to win, but... Boy, what a finish this was. I'm going to start with uh, Chris this time. We'll go around the table. Um, and if you got a checkered flag or a black flag, it's yours.
2: Um, Checkered flag uh, would just be have to be the, the racing in general. I mean, it was good. You know, Ben Rhodes getting both stage wins uh, was phenomenal for that 41 team. It was nice to see him out front doing some domination. Um Black flag uh, would have to be that four truck of Todd and We had been talking about him for weeks, making his debut here at Martinsville. He really had a, a, a decent shot to go in and kind of get this the, this win away. And like you mentioned, those few small errors and judgment just took it away from him. But he can he can he's a driver that can rebound, uh, get his head back on straight, and, and attack it once again.
1: Okay, I'm going to jump in here and go second, and I'm going to, my my checkered flag, I'm going to actually give two, because I can't make up my mind which way I really want to go with this, but uh, first checkered flag, clearly Kyle Benjamin, because, I mean, the kid just did a phenomenal job, first time in the truck, um, that team is such a strong team. And no matter who drives that 54, they're going to be a contender. Finishing second, uh, you know, a tremendous race for him. And my second checkered flag is going to go to the entire Thor Sport team because that team really had their stuff together. I mean, you're not necessarily seeing it in the results if you just look at where they finished. Grand M. figure fourth, um, Myatt Snyder finished up in sixth. Uh, And Ben Rhodes finished in 12th, but he led uh, a good bit of that race. And then um, he had some misfortune in the pits twice. And Matt Crafton ended up getting into the back of a slowing Johnny Sauter, which wasn't his fault. So those are my two checkered flags. Um, You know what? I'm not going to black flag uh, Todd Gilliland. Really, the biggest mistake that he made all day, And and I thought there were a couple times when he made it was just impatience. Uh, He'll learn, you know, when to make a move, when not to make a move. But, you know, I really honestly I don't have a black flag for this one because I thought the racing was just phenomenal. Um, I'll go to Cisco next. All right. So my checkered
3: flag is going to go. And I just had it a minute ago and it's just gone. So I'm going to lead off with my black flag which isn't actually a black flag because it's a blue flag. Why is it a blue flag, you ask? Well, it's because it's for Myatt Snyder, who basically for the last 50 laps or however long it was, was moving basically anybody in front of him. If you looked at the front bumper of that truck, it was destroyed. Which, If I'm Myatt Snyder, if I see Myatt Snyder in my rearview mirror, I'm getting the heck out of Dodge because I don't (laughs) want to get run
1: over. Well... I, I noticed some of that. Um, yeah, my well, but you know what? It's short track racing. I mean, yeah, I know, but but you bump he, the guy out of the way. You don't run him halfway up the racetrack. He out didn't. Of the way. He didn't we mean to wreck him, to Steve. him, Steve. He just meant to rattle their cages.
3: And uh, you know what, I I it, Tom, I'll make up for your not having a black flag. Because, well, I get—I guess it's another a not kind of black flag or a sort of kind of black flag because I'm going to give it to, and I get to say it for the second time on this show, the grumpy old men. The 88 <laughs> and the 21. Because <laughs> what is it well, about Martinsville that just goes wrong for Matt Crafton and Johnny Sauter? I don't get it,
1: man. Well... I don't know what went wrong with Johnny Sauter exactly, but nothing was wrong with Matt Crafton except for the fact that
3: except he was in the accident, though. He was in the wrong place at the wrong
1: time when Sauter just uh, basically came to a dead stop almost. Uh, You know, you can't slow the momentum that quickly in these things, Steve. Uh, No, Uh, as was evidenced by the
4: uh, see up here in the northeast uh, up on the front end, if you have a truck. Uh, we have these little things that's, uh, you know, big. It's made out of metal, uh, you know. The it's a bar, me- right? Yeah. You know, it's it's meant to get things out of the way that are going to come in contact. <laughs> I think with that truck. would
1: be called a plow, wouldn't it?
4: Somebody <laughs> forgot to tell Todd Gilliland that he didn't have one of those on the front of his truck today. And Maya, too, for that matter. And, and guys, Todd is my black flag, and he's my black flag because... He took out my guy who was running in the top five. Stuart Friesen called for two tires and stuck in the top five. He was running the cushion at Martinsville.
1: Yeah, Todd, and then, just to explain that for those who are listening, Todd went bowling and hit Johnny Sauter, who then hit Stuart Friesen, who spun and started split. a multi-car incident. Yeah, he, he ended up with a 7-10 split. That's exactly right.
4: And unfortunately, Friesen ended up being the ten pin that got caught up in that mess. Yes, but you know what? I I I agree with you, Tom. I think that this is—it's only going to get better for Todd. He he is going to improve. The thing that may be difficult for him to overcome is you know not making friends with some of the veteran guys because sometimes that can take time. Once you've done wrong to to try and earn that trust back. So that may be a little difficult for him in the, in the next few weeks, but it will all come with time. I just throw the black flag because, again, uh, Friesen, who did not have top five speed, uh, even in time trials, they they didn't have top five speed, but a good strategy call to put him on two tires. Yeah. Uh, had him running pretty good there, and, and I thought that he was going to, be able to hang in the top 10 there on that run, even though he was on the two tires, but um checkered flag, I got to give it to Kyle Benjamin myself because he had every opportunity in turn four coming to the checkered flag to, to absolutely dump John Hunter Nemechek, and he didn't do it. Yep. Uh, uh, John Hunter's father, Joe mentioned it in the post race. And and the in the commentators also mentioned it that, you know, he had every opportunity to win that race, which would have been huge for his career. He chose not to do it. He gets my checkered flag for it, and if I had a Fortune five hundred business, I'd be sponsoring that boy in a lot of races coming
1: up. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna throw a, a quick checkered flag out too for Reed Wilson, who finished sixteenth, but You know, Reed was another one that was running in and around the top 10 for a lot of the race in his debut in the truck series for Young's Motorsports. Cisco did a really, really nice job, had a a late race crash, but uh, he was doing really well. So checkered flag for Reed as well in his debut. And I'm going to give you, Cisco, the last word in this segment. And I'm going to give a very similar checkered flag to Corey Roper who we basically spent on
3: Thursday trying to find any sort of piece of information about who he was, who he was driving. We know now. We know who he was. We know now. So that was a good one. And also, quick checkered flag to my boy. He wasn't at Myrtle Beach because he was running the truck race. Timothy Peters in the 92 finishes seventh. Yeah, Yeah,
1: very nice job for that team. And we said that could be a dangerous combination at uh, martinsville and oh by the way who is cory roper he's from texas and theory was correct last week they have purchased a couple of bkr trucks so roper gonna be uh, a non-regular on the truck series this year but uh he's i think he's gonna be a driver that You're going to have to pay some attention to as he gets more experience in that series. With that, we step aside. Uh, We will talk about the truck series a bit more in our next segment. And then we're going to touch on a Formula One race in which there were a grand total of five, as they like to call them, overtakes. We'll discuss around the turn. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Voice of Motorsports, the Performance Motorsports Network.
7: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
9: Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: Well cole custer had the day off today so he runs the xfinity series and uh they'll be off next next race as well but then the truck series will be off uh, i think they're off almost a full month honestly at this point so um a chance for the truckers to take a little bit of a siesta as we move forward in the nascar schedule of course everybody off This uh, coming weekend because it is Easter and they don't race on Easter. But if you are in the Charlotte area, anywhere in the greater Charlotte area, you should head on out to Hickory this weekend. The Easter Bunny 150 for the Pass South late model tour, super late model tour, is one of the staple races of this area every year so if you're in the area on saturday and want to see some really good racing go to hickory and watch that show welcome back to motorsports madness tom baker Chris Murdoch, I was waiting to see if he would jump up before I said that. Cisco Scaramuza and Steve Ovens. and we've got Bill Holt behind the glass and Jacob Seelman on his way. He's uh he's on his way, kind of like Santa Claus. We're tracking him. He's hey, on Tom, fi- He's on Tom, 52 I'm actually South. We're in
3: the race chaser chopper right now. He's <laughs> uh he's just gotten off uh, I 40, he's going to be heading down US 52, so we're yeah. working on it right now, following him in the
1: chopper back to you. And NORAD is tracking him. <laughs> kind of like Santa Claus. Uh, I don't think they're the only ones tracking him, but we won't go there. Okay, let's get back to the insanity that is motorsports madness. Um, this truck race, guys, the thing about a Martinsville truck race is you always get. Drivers in the in the race for the first time, this is kind of their audition to prove that they can race at this level. Dawson Cram is a driver from our area who has never run anything higher than a limited late model, and he shows up last year in the fall, poor kid, blows the motor up about 10 laps into practice, but today he put it together and really did a fantastic job. Steve, I'm coming to you first Dawson Cram in the 50 truck finishes P-17, the last. No, he wasn't actually the last truck. Wendell Chavis behind him in 18th, the last truck on the lead lap. But Dawson doing a phenomenal job today.
4: It may show 17th on the scoring sheet, but guys, I I think you may agree with me, and they might as well chalk that up as a victory. Um, Yes. First time at Martinsville and finishes on the lead lap uh that is an incredible day for that team no doubt
1: well it is for them because guys this is a team we're not talking about a -a rent-a-ride here they bought a truck and put it together in about a week before last fall's martinsville truck race and so really had 10 laps on the track did pretty well in those 10 laps too as far as speed wise uh he would have probably made the show last fall but then um You know, at 16 years old, he comes out and finishes on the lead lap a a good run. It takes a certain caliber of mindset to race in the truck series at Martinsville and finish clean and on the lead lap. Dawson did it. Great job for Dawson Cram. And he's 16 years
3: old and he's going out there like he's driving like a veteran. So just awesome job for Dawson. Yeah, really, and, very and much Tom, so. if you want to, if you want to read a little bit more about that, Jacob actually put up a piece on Speed Sport that you can go check out. He did a whole thing. apparent Apparently, he made Dawson's mom cry with the piece. That's how good it was. So,
1: <laughs> well, anytime anybody says something good about Dawson, his mom cries. But they're a nice family, and uh, no, it's uh, just great to see Dawson have that run, and again, proof that you know these kids, if if they just keep themselves under control and you look at some of the people that finished behind Dawson Cram today now again you know you've got to take some of them with a grain of salt because they had issues during the race but still you finish 17th and here's who you beat Johnny Sauter Stuart Friesen you beat Jordan Anderson Robbie Lyons you beat Cody Coughlin you beat Austin Self I mean I'm just naming a few as we go down through the field that You know, honestly, the experience base and, you know, again, some of them had issues during the race, but Dawson did a nice job. So, uh, you know, these kids really performed, for the most part, really well today. And these were two fantastic races. Um, I don't think there's anything more entertaining, honestly, than a truck race at Martinsville, uh, Steve-O. And I think today was one of the better ones we've seen in a while.
4: Absolutely, and and any time that you can have a race at Martinsville with the trucks, and feel like you know who's going to win the race for most of the race, and then it not turn out that way at all at the end. I mean, everybody who had John Hunter Nemechek and Kyle Benjamin one two as the finish of this you're one, full put of your it. Ha- Put your hands down. <laughs> put your hands. Yeah, you're down. lying.
1: <laughs> I but- mean.
4: That, that, was, that was awesome, and again, I said it in my checkered flag. I just, that race at the end, you know, I feel like young guys, Tom, in the sport started to get a bad rap for a while that it was just accepted that the dump and run is how you win races. And I go back to the race that the, the I believe it was the K&N race uh, in Florida that we saw, and then now the truck race here in Martinsville, the, the the dump and run to win a race. That's not how you that's not the only way to win a race.
1: No. And I love it. And the, the two players, if you will, in question in the K&N race were Harrison Rhodes and Todd Gilliland, who fought very hard and, you know, did some bump and running and drove their butts off down in Florida, put on a great show, but didn't take each other out. Finished first and second, Gilliman getting the win there. And then today, Kyle Benjamin not choosing to, I mean, again, you know, was there contact? Uh-huh. But it was done in such a way as, you know, it didn't take either one of them out, and it was a great finish, Chris. And, you know, really, in all honesty, if you look at this and you and you really look through this field, it would be hard pressed for me to pick out anybody who didn't deserve to be in the field who actually finished the race well. In other words, I think these guys, if you look down through, we we Brett Moffat finishes third my Snyder despite you know his aggression ends up sixth Timothy Peters as we mentioned finishes seventh we didn't even mention Austin Hill finishing ninth I mean you know these are these are guys that you like to see up in the front and I think some of these guys honestly um, you know Harrison Burton even ran in the top 10 um, for you know much of the race I mean These are guys that are the future of this sport. And, you know, the race that Burton put on with Gilliland uh, down in Florida and the way that guys drove throughout this race today, guys like Benjamin, these guys are the future of the sport. And that's what makes this truck series, Chris. So doggone exciting to watch. Week after week, you've got a few old veterans in the series and a bunch of young kids that just get after it. And when they're practically
2: giving the race tickets away for free on Monday, you couldn't have got a better deal for such a great show by those two races. I mean, $15, Tom, really – $15, $15, that's a steal. Yeah. That was enough of a steal for me to wake up this morning and almost get down to the four-hour drive to Martinsville Speedway. It was just such, I mean, you, you can't get any better racing for that amount of money. But guys, hey, I um...
3: lost a commentator tonight because he went to Martinsville. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> so that's there you go. the deal you got right there. He walked out on being paid to go to Martinsville and spend money.
1: Well, he got a heck of a show for his trouble. Here's, here's the thing, though, guys. As much as we're celebrating so many others— how bad do you have to feel for Ben Rhodes? I mean, this kid, he, he dominated the first half of the race, basically, so almost, in the first half of the And then two straight pit stops, not one, but two straight pit stops. They had trouble with the right front tire on that car, on that truck. I don't know what was going on there. I don't think it was an air gun issue, though it may have been, but two very bad pit stops, and yet still he fights through for a top 10 finish. This kid to me is a kid who's ready to race for a championship and I believe he's going to do that. One word,
2: perseverance. That's yeah. what he did. I mean, when it's not your day, it's not your day, but Ben Rhodes turned a a so-so day into a good day for that team, you know, sticking around in the top 10, you know, getting those two stage victories. He was on a roll and you know to not come away with the wind I mean, it sucks, but there's still a lot of positives to pull away from that race.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, if, if if ever there was a wide world of sports, you know, thrill of victory, agony of defeat, it's John Hunter Nemechek with that move that won him the race and Ben Rhodes with those two bad pit stops that really weren't his fault. And I'm not going to blame the crew because I really don't know everything that happened, but just it, it was heartbreak for him today. And, of course, you know, the race was sponsored by his Uh, family business so this would have been kind of a hometown deal for him to go and get the win um, in a sense so tough break for Ben Rhodes but I know there are wins coming he is going to go deep in the playoffs I think there's a good chance you see that truck with a 41 on it running for the championship at the end of the season with that we're going to step aside when we come back we talk F1 and then we still have upcoming our dirt track segment. And we're going to talk with Geo Selzy as well. And we will get a uh, Jacob Seelman sighting in the studio eventually. He's heading south, folks. Again, going at the speed of limit. And he will be joining us shortly. We'll be right back with more of the Motorsports Madness show right here on the Voice of Motorsports, the Performance Motorsports Network.
8: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
3: Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: <laughs> well... That couldn't have been any better if Bill Holt would have planned it. Ben Rhodes bringing us out a break, and we just got some breaking news. I don't know if Ben would want us to share this, but, heck, it's out. So so we're going to do it. And and Jacob Seelman's almost here. You better be careful, Jacob. I'm telling you, because Ben Rhodes, who was headed to a radio appearance. I don't know if this was – Steve was just yesterday or – well,
4: no, it was this morning, this he, morning, uh, doing he was a r- supposed to do a little spot with uh, with uh, with the NASCAR channel. And, well, let's just say he was a little
3: late because uh, woo, 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 he got caught ideas. He <laughs> <laughs> he he couldn't drive. Fifty five guys. He Apparently not.
1: <laughs>
4: well, hey, if he was, you know, on the pole at Martinsville, I mean. I think that's a good excuse, right? yeah,
1: so uh yeah, Ben a little late because he got caught speeding on the highway. He was just uh, getting some practice in for uh, today, yeah. and it seems to have worked too, Cisco, because boy, the way he jumped off the pole and, and took off in that race, uh, apparently his lead foot was in full force at least for a while. I guess, Tom, he won't be living in the spirit of the radio, I guess. No, uh, definitely not. Uh, or driving a red Barchetta anytime soon. Um, we're Rush fans in case you haven't figured that out. But anyways, uh, so congratulations, Ben, uh, on 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 that little situation. And uh, we hope that you will use cruise control from now on. Yeah, right. OK, so back we go to race talk and we go to F1, and in Vettel's rather uneventful Cisco win, I don't know, five overtakes. Like, what? I guess, what do you expect so, from that particular course? But, I mean, come on.
3: So, the five overtakes is, of course, not counting the first lap, of course, because right. that's when most of the overtakes are going to happen. But, yeah, it was five overtakes in what... Max Verstappen called a race that you could basically just turn off the television because it was that boring. He was not happy. Finished sixth. I don't blame him, but uh, for Aston Martin, Red Bull Racing was the slower of the two team cars there with Danny finishing fourth. But yeah, that was honestly the only really interesting thing is that the car on top of the podium was not Lewis Hamilton. But apart from that, that was a pretty forgettable race, to be honest there, Chris.
2: Yeah, and speaking of Lewis Hamilton, I, I caught it going around the, 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 the social media platforms, but that lap that he threw up in practice, that's, you know, that's just pure perfection. He was flying around Australia during that, uh, during that practice lap, and for anybody that thinks these guys aren't athletes anymore, go watch that lap, because the upper body strength you have to have to whip a car like that around a track that fast And not blackout. And not blackout was incredible. There is no doubt in my mind that these guys are pure 100% athletes. Well,
1: certainly. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody's going to question that. But, you know, there there are
2: are people that still question it.
1: Yeah. The race itself, uh, though, was just... A snoozer, as they would say in Boston. Sebastian Vettel getting the win, Hamilton second, Kimi Räikkönen in third, Daniel Ricciardo fourth, and how about Fernando Alonso? Guys, two McLarens. They finished, a race. Yeah. <laughs> they finished the race. Two. They finished race. Hang on, finished in fifth. Two McLarens in the top ten. Two.
3: They got points. They got extra championship points. It's a miracle! Oh my gosh! And what does this tell me?
1: I think Alonso's going to be happy for once racing in F1 this year. Yeah, really. Well, certainly a sign of progress. Max Verstappen finished in sixth. Was not happy. He was kind of Kyle Busch happy after the after that race. Nico Hulkenberg finishing in seventh. Val, Valtteri Bottas eighth. The other Mercedes. Stoffel Vandoorne finishing in ninth in the other McLaren. And Carlos Sainz tenth. But guys, can we can we just for a moment. Look at the bottom of the order: Brendan Hartley and Pierre Gasly. Now, I think Pierre Gasly has some talent. I, I've, I'm not too sure about Hartley, but Scuderia Toro Rosso is just... Well, let's just say they're struggling. It's uh, it's not good.
3: It's not good. Not good and I'd there. also like to point out all the way at the bottom. Of the table is Sergey Sirodkin, yeah. which just goes, and I'm gonna mess that name up about a thousand times this year, but goes to prove, maybe you should put the guy
1: who can drive in that car, you know, in that car, who's your developmental driver. Just saying,
8: just well, saying. I mean,
1: you know, he he was F1's Mister Irrelevant uh, in 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 that race. You know, again, guys, not a, a fantastic race. Does anybody, I mean, do we know, can we learn anything from this, Cisco? Do we Do we have any idea of this? I mean, is Vettel the guy to beat? Can we conclude that, or is this, it's one race, let's not get too carried away? Um. Well, I mean, this traditionally has
3: been more, well, no, I can't say that either, because Mercedes won from 14 through 16, I was so say, I can't say this is a Ferrari track. No. However, I do want to point out that this was a track that Vettel won at a year prior. So Ferrari starting out at least about where they were last year. So does this mean that there's going to be more competition between Ferrari and Mercedes? Possibly. We'll just have to find out. The one takeaway that I had was that Alfa Romeo car looked awesome in that red.
1: Well, yeah, I, I agree. And here's the th- here's my take, and anybody can jump in and, and discuss the debate. But when you look at the top six, I mean, you've got two Ferraris and two Red Bulls, but you know, you've got a Mercedes a Mercedes, and a McLaren. I mean, you know, Renault finishing in seventh. You know, you, you've it, it kind of even across the board. I don't know. I mean, I know it's only one race. There wasn't a lot of passing. But, Chris, I guess I can wish that maybe we'd have, you know, three teams that at least or even four that are competitive enough to at least run for podiums this year. You're
2: absolutely right. And. I just want to talk about some some heartbreak in this race uh, because we talked about the highs of of Stuart Haas getting, you know, Clint Boyer winning in NASCAR. But just to talk about the lows of Haas F1, I mean, starting fifth and sixth, you know, just to have that all crumble away and then get a DNF at the end, not a way you want to, you know, start your 2018 season, not a way you want to start a race at all. Uh, so hopefully we can see, you know, Magnuson and Grosjean really step it up in these next few races like I, like you guys have been talking about. It's one race. I don't want to write anybody off yet. I don't want to say it's going to be the Lewis Hamilton show once again, because Vettel's already proven that he can get it done and at, at Australia. And, and it, it's just going to be, I guess, an interesting season, to say the least, this year to to see how everything shakes out once we get a few races in.
3: I mean, the biggest indicator for me, Tom, is when we go to tracks that Mercedes are good at is Ferrari going to be able to show up there? Or if we go to tracks that Ferrari is good at, is Mercedes going to just blow them out of the water? That's ultimately going to be the real test here.
1: Well, uh, one of our listeners chiming in, only reason Vettel won was pit strategy. Lewis's unbridled favorite. (laughs) One eh, of
3: our listeners.
1: (laughs) Maybe, but you know, at the end of the day, the one sitting in victory lane was Sebastian Vettel. And, you know... (laughs) i mean guys (laughs) i mean you're technically
3: right with that
1: you can well i I, i'm absolutely right (laughs) that's all i'm gonna say but you know the thing is if you if you really look at this pit strategy is a part of winning f1 races so i don't again i i think at this point we need to just step back and probably wait another race or two before we go you know prognosticating but Look, Sebastian Vettel won, and I'm glad that Sebastian Vettel won because honestly, if Lewis Hamilton would have started out with an easy victory, I mean the hope might have gone down the it tubes. Bode or,
3: well, I guess, at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just at least there's some pretense, and I do like the fact that we had the McLarens up there. I mean, great run for Alonso. He's you know this is a guy who's shown he's a world class racer. And, you know, this team appears to at least be making a step forward here to a point where maybe we would start thinking about, you know, them being able to podium. I don't know, Cisco, if, if Alonzo is capable of a win, but, you know, certainly I would think capable of top three to top five at a lot of the tracks. Yes? No? Uh, I hope so, but... I'm too happy
3: about them getting this. I've, I mean, we have to wait and see, Tom. It's, this is such a wait and see because McLaren showed they're good in one race. You can be good in one race, but we need to see reliability, yeah. and that has been McLaren's chief thing
1: that they have not been able to fix until now. Well, here again, uh, we can wish at this point, and certainly, looking at purely looking at the results, they're at least maybe some room for optimism that we might have a really competitive f1 season but we'll wait and see i'm still calling lewis hamilton the champion until uh somebody else shows me that they can run with him over a multi-race basis we're actually going to step aside when we come back we are going to talk dirt track and not too long from now Gio selsey will be joining us he's a world of outlaws sprint car series rookie and that's the name you're going to be hearing a lot as we go through this uh season here in 2018 and also jacob sealman will be joining us eventually in the studio i promise we'll be back with more of motorsports madness we're gonna get dirty in the next segment stick around
0: Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Chop, Stephen Evans.
1: Be patient with me. Jacob Seelman is almost here. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. Tom Baker, Steve Evans, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, and, of course, Bill Holt from Carolina School of Broadcasting, behind the glass. We talked Formula One in the last segment. It's time to get dirty and talk about dirt track stuff And you know what's funny, Steve Evans, is, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, uh, well, we were having this whole debate about Sheldon Howdenshield and his debut in the world of Outlaws with the new team he's with this year. And I, you and I both said he's going to be a championship contender and keep up uh, with with the aforementioned, uh, well, like 36 time champion Donnie Schatz. Um, Well, somebody else who's not quite here yet but will be in the studio shortly said uh no no not gonna happen and look at him now sheldon howden shield wins again i'm telling you this kid is for real i believe
4: it was stuart scott that said cooler than the other side of the pillow i believe it was daryl waltrip that said joey logano the best thing since sliced bread I'm going to say on the airwaves tonight of Motorsports Madness that Sheldon Hodden is the best thing since Blueberry Pancake Crunch. That's right. <laughs> that you would be Captain here first. Crunch. Yes. You heard it here first. Sheldon Hodden is a legitimate contender for this championship. He is within 34 points. Of Donnie shots. That's right. Count them up 34 points behind the King, the dominator, the guy everybody else has got to beat if they want to get that trophy and the kiss from the girl at the end of the year. I mean, this is outstanding. I love it. Uh, Sheldon gets the win at Bakersfield the other night. And Tom, he once again proves proves you to be correct. And and I am I am only ashamed of myself that I didn't have more confidence in the young man's ability stepping into what is the best equipment he's sat
1: in in his career so far. Well, at least you were willing to give him a chance. I mean, Jacob just was like, no, 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 this is not going to happen. Well, you know, the truth is it may still not happen, but so far we've had enough of a data sample. I mean, actually, I think uh, I'm not too sure, but I think Mother Nature might be leading the points here in this series, truly, because it seems like they can't every other night gets rained out. But I mean, the West Coast swing has just been wet for them. But, you know, Look, Howden Shield I thought overachieved in his family car last year. And that's what I look at when when it was obvious that he was gonna make this change and go over to this, this new team, you know, you look at this team from top to bottom has the resources, every bit of the resources that it needs. I think they've got every bit of the resources that a tony stewart racing would have if they need them um whatever needs to be spent will be spent to go chase this championship that gives the driver a lot of confidence and that's what i based my thoughts around and have based them around for the last few weeks this is a kid who is a chip off the old block i mean when you're the son of the wild child um i mean the talent is certainly there and the team is there Steve, I just don't see any reason why this team can't chase uh, shots all the way to to the championship. And here's the other thing. When you've got a field that is as deep as this World of Outlaws field is now this year, you can't afford to be in last chance races and you can't afford... An off night. I know there's a lot of races in the season, but you know there's probably ten to twelve of these drivers at minimum that are capable of a win. And you, and so if you start spreading the wins out more, Steve, among more drivers, then you get a guy like howden Shield that gets hot and goes and wins three or four in a month or two. I mean, it. This is going to be if whoever wins this title, this is going to be the hardest title to win in a long time in the world of outlaws sprint car series i believe that steve
4: i agree tom and and let's look at the top five from bakersfield the other night sheldon hodden gets the win had up to a four second lead at one point in that event shane stewart finishes second on you know the heels of some great restarts and there was several of those throughout the event got up to the second spot Jason Johnson led a majority of this race. And for anybody who thought that, you know, just because Jason Johnson was losing one of his uh, sponsors that had been with him yeah. for a good deal of time, anybody who thought the 41 car was all of a sudden going to drop off the cliff and, and the performance was going to go right down the drain. Well, you can throw that uh, scenario out the window. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you've got Joey Saldana fourth, Ian Madsen fifth. So I agree with you, Tom. This is a super deep field.
1: Well, you know, and Saldana's another story right now because he had such an off year last year. And really just, you know, you kind of wondered, like, where did he go and what's what's going on there? But he's done a good job so far. I feel like that. You know, this that's another team that I feel like could get some wins. And I think Gravel is going to get his share before we're done, too. I mean, I don't think David's looked very David Gravel-like for the most part so far this season. But, you know, again, it's a deeper field. And you get a guy like Hottenshield that sort of comes in and just starts stealing everybody else's thunder. You know, it does kind of shake up the whole equation for a little while I'm not sure anybody, including Shots, is going to get, you know, much over 20 or maybe 25 wins. I think you could see a number of drivers with more than one win. And I think you could see several drivers with, say, between, you know, 10 and 20 wins. This could be a really competitive year. You just brought up a good
4: point, Tom, about David Gravel. And I want to throw this question out there. Because David Gravel is an interesting driver to talk about right now because we've not seen Gravel with the dominant level of performance that we saw him have most of 2017. Right. But my question to you, Tom, is we have had so many weather-related cancellations on the West Coast so far. And even this weekend, we, we only got Bakersfield in. And now we take Easter weekend off, and, and we don't go back to Arizona Speedway until April seventh. So my question to you is: even though gravel's not necessarily been up to par, do we have enough races to to be confident in in where this team is at right
1: now? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's really kind of hard to say. Uh... You know, what we've seen in the past is drivers get streaky. I mean, you you get a guy like Gravel that will go on a run, or obviously Schatz has his moments when he goes on a run. His have lasted a little longer than everyone else's lately. But I think when you look at this, honestly, I mean, just looking at the points right now, Schatz, Shield, Sweet, Stewart, and Johnson, Gravel sitting in 6th, 114 back, you know, with such a long season that is by no means a deficit that is not uh, capable of being made up if you start winning some races. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just think, you know, when you look down through this this set of driver points, I mean, there's a lot of drivers that are further down in the points that, you know, just haven't had necessarily the best starts. But, you know, you look at some of these guys, like a Logan Shuhart, a, you know, a Jacob Allen, Um, even Parker Price Miller. I mean, you know that these guys, Saldana, you know, they're capable of getting multiple wins. So, you know, honestly, I think, Steve, that probably at this point, we can say that Gravel and his team have some work to do, but they've got a little break here to sort of try to figure out what they need to do in order to get back up and, and really start contending for wins. But I... I think what we've seen in this first part of the season is, again, a depth of competition in this series that we haven't seen in quite a while. And even the drivers that haven't won a race yet, some of them have been very, very competitive. And you just know that it's a matter of, uh, you know, matter of time before, uh, you know, some of these guys get up front and, and start running for wins, whether they're full time or part time. And Tom, something
4: else that I want to point out from the race at Bakersfield the other night, and and this is something that, you know, I know Jacob will, his ears will perk up to. I want to give a shout out to Tim Kading and Jason Sides. Yes. Because those guys qualified second and third over the weekend at Bakersfield. Uh, Tim Kading finishing in the 10th spot, Sides finishing in the 18th spot, but... This was kind of an interesting pairing uh, with Kading getting a ride here with the sides team, you know, putting a second car together and those guys working together. I think this is starting to pay dividends for for Double Down because he has been in just a rut that he just has not been able to get out of in that 7S machine. And now, you know, with with him pairing up with Kading – the cars have speed again. Yes, uh, you know, as witnessed by their qualifying the other night, and Kading has been putting in solid runs, solid top ten runs here on the West Coast swing. So I think that that's a team that really needs a tip of the cap because you know that's a team that has needed something positive to build off of, and if that's the only thing that comes out of this pairing here. With Kading and Jason Sides, well, Tom, it's paying off. It really
1: is. Well, I totally agree. And I I think that, uh, again, sometimes having that teammate makes all the difference. I think this is definitely an opportunity for those guys to, you know, to take a step up. And again, everybody gets to kind of breathe now for a little bit and assess where they are and uh try to see where you know where they need to make some gains as we come back out for the next portion of the season um but all in all this is a very very challenging tour this year the world of outlaws craftsman sprint cars and i i believe with everything in me that you're going to see more winners this year than we've had in a while uh and you know that's it's a good thing and if we can get to the point where you know, we can get two or three or four guys down the stretch who can challenge seriously for the championship. It's going to be a great year for the Outlaws, and I'm really happy to see how many full-time teams they've got. I just think this is uh, th- this is a really encouraging sign for the World of Outlaws Tour and really sprint car racing around the country. With that, we're going to step aside. Gio Selzy going to join us next here on Motorsports Madness as we continue about 30 minutes left in the program and much still to be said don't go anywhere we promise Jacob Seelman will show up we double promise that that's going to happen before the end of the show we'll be back with more Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network right after this timeout.
3: Hi, I'm John Holliman and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Faster than a speeding mullet. Stronger than a silent e. <laughs> Able to leap <laughs> tall trees in a single bound. <laughs> it's a bird. It's a plane. It's a hurricane. Jacob Seelman. I'm back. Jacob Seelman is now seated in the <laughs> race that we told you he would be here. Race to the USA PMN better Studios. better not have brought the snow with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is no, no snow. On not a chance. Gun. Okay. I'd say,
4: I'd say you were coming in hot, but you came from Martin's so oh, that's uh, not the uh, oh! he came in <laughs> yeah. hot, all right. He, he, he came in the <laughs>
1: studio at about 980 miles an hour. Okay, so I officially passed the Motorsports Madness Conch to Jacob Steelman just in time for him to bring out Gio Selzy. Jacob, please <laughs> take your show back. <laughs> I will gladly, and let it be
9: known for the record that uh, Jacob has a list of five things that he wants to uh, refute when we get to our last segment, because he's been listening the entire way. Oh, boy, be prepared. Oh, no, he's just some listener we don't need to talk about. (laughs) In the meantime, I do want to get to the point of this segment, and that is welcoming for the first time to this program, (laughs) the driver of the Paul Silva number 57. That's going to take some getting used to still, Gio Selzy. Welcome to the program, my friend. Good to have you on finally. Thank you, guys. Uh, So... I want to sit back and you take us through a rain-plagued, chaotic, for you, the last three have been pretty fun, West Coast Swing, because your home state has just been drowned in rain for a month.
10: Yeah, it sucks. Um, Through November and December, it was hot, 80 degrees outside, and now the race season comes around, and and it's raining. So Mother Nature does not want us to race this year. I don't know what the deal is.
9: You you got the chance, though, during the off-season to hook up with Paul Silva. For those in our audience who may not be familiar, talk a little bit about how this deal came together and what it means to you to hop behind the wheel of a car that Kyle Larson won in seven times last year.
10: Yeah, so uh, during the off-season, Richard and Jennifer Marshall with uh, Priority Aviation kind of got together with me. And, uh we worked out kind of what we were going to do this year, and we knew we wanted to hook up. We just didn't really know how. Um, so coming from kind of my wing background and my dirt background, um, we decided to, to team up with Paul Silva and uh, kind of have a deal together with Richard and, and Jennifer and Paul and, and do a deal with, with Paul's equipment and uh, and Richard's motors, and, and that's kind of how we've gone. What's
9: the experience been like? You've made your last three World of Outlaws A-mains, but uh, what's this experience getting to learn some of these tracks, racing against the best of the best. Talk us through that a little bit because I know running with the Outlaws for the first time as a rookie is a heck of a learning curve.
10: Yeah, for sure, and especially being at Vegas um, for my first race, it was pretty uh, pretty hectic. Um, we didn't have the best of nights in Vegas, um, missed the show the first night and uh, got in a wreck the second night, so it was kind of off to a slow start and uh, came back to Tulare, a place I've been to quite a bit, You know, after it rained out in Paris, um, quick-timed in our group. Um made the dash and run 11th of feature, So, um, you know, we're, we're getting better. Um, just kind of takes a while to get chemistry between me and Paul. But I'm pretty confident in what we got, and the equipment is, is definitely second to none with our motors and, and the setup. So, um, yeah, we'll see kind of how we go. We have, I think, five or six more races. We're going to make up a few of the rain dates with, uh, with races here locally. So it'll be good to kind of race on to places I'm familiar with and, and see what we can do. To have a guy like Paul
9: wrenching, calling the shots, what's that? been like to be able to soak in his experience and learn from him i mean that's got to be not just an honor for somebody that's in your shoes but it's got to be an incredible privilege as far as your first outlaw starts
10: yeah for sure it makes my learning curve a lot quicker um with the car being set up really well every time i go out um it, it's been good you know our communication like i said has been has been a lot better than i thought it would be um and you know we've only raced together five or six times i think it's been five times um you know, we're getting there. Um, I think the more we race together, the better we'll be. Um, and and racing with the Outlaws doesn't make it any easier, really. You know, with with how deep the competition is there, and you know, being the Stockton and being as Larry before, but but not being to uh, Vegas and being my first time at Bakersfield has kind of been you know new with a new car and new race tracks. So, um, like I said, the more we go, I think we'll we'll have better chemistry together.
4: Obviously, racing with the World of Outlaws is is kind of that pinnacle. Uh, you know reaching the top of, of the sprint car ladder um, tell us a little bit about you know how you've got to this point because you're you you're a fresh new name uh, that is is really rising to the top here in the sport but for those listening tonight uh tell us a little bit about the racing that you've done to get yourself to this great opportunity
10: yeah so um, I raced all last year for Dennis Roth um, he gave me the opportunity. Uh, part-time in 2016 then full-time in 2017 uh we ran uh the king of west series which is uh kind of the california 410 series and you know like i said it kind of spiraled into a, a partnership with richard and jennifer marshall and paul silva and it's kind of where we are but yeah racing with the outlaws it's it's pretty um it's pretty simple hey explain it. i mean they're the best in the world and and that's what it is you know um they've the, the talent is so deep and, and the good competition is so deep. You got, you know, fifteen, sixteen cars that can win any given night. Um, you know, especially out here on the tight bowl range we have and it's really close door to door racing. And uh, it puts on some of the best shows they have.
4: We talked earlier uh, before we had you on tonight about uh, you know some teams that have been finding speed here recently and and how how that speed can really change the course of the night. I'm interested in your perspective because, you know, you guys had a great qualifying effort the other night as well. Just how important is it with these world of outlaw races you're competing in? Just how important is it to get your night started off with a good qualifying effort?
10: Yeah, for sure. It's everything, Um, especially with their format. You know, there's no invert. So you're, you're starting straight up for your heat race off, um, off qualifying. So I think there was a stat the other day that they put out our qualifying average is 7.8 or something. So um time traveling has definitely been a strong part of of my uh of my last few weekends which makes night a lot easier i think we've we've made three features in a row so um it's been good just just racing door-to-door with the guys is, is really tough i mean they're so aggressive and, and they're so good every lap um there's really no uh there's no time to breathe i guess you could say um in a 30 lap feature you're racing as hard as you can um throughout the whole race so yeah it's, it's a completely different pace with the outlaws too compared to racing with guys at home so um it's, it's definitely made me step up, and it's made me a lot better.
9: Gio, this partnership with Richard and Jennifer Marshall, it wasn't just about the 57 car. Your association with them, actually, uh, this year started back when you were able to run for Clawson Marshall Racing in a midget at the Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals in January. What do you feel like uh, teaming up with the Marshalls? I mean, they've supported so many names that have gone on to do great things in the dirt track world how big has that association been for your career so far
10: yeah it's been huge um in in their short time in dirt racing they've had a lot of success with the Knoxville Nationals and and countless USAC midget wins and and World of Outlaw wins so um they've kind of spread themselves you know wide throughout World of Outlaw racing and USAC racing so you know I was I was fortunate enough to hook up with them and, and them give me the opportunity to to race with them and you know kind of I would say be part of their family because, you know, we're, we're pretty close, and, and it's a very good atmosphere they put me in. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's been good how much they helped me um, and, and really how much they believe in me, I guess you could say, you know, let me race Chili Bowl and, and kind of bringing me on with them, um, with their backing has, has been good.
9: Now, those who are listening and go, Selzy, why do I know that name? Most people will know your family name from drag racing. And yet you went the dirt oval route. In fact, both you and your brother, Dominic, went the dirt oval route. Why? What drew you to that side of racing as opposed to the straight
10: line? You know, it's funny you say that. I'm actually looking at one of my dad's pictures of him, you know, four-time world champion. But, yeah, there's no, in drag racing, there's really no lower ranks of drag racing. I mean, there's junior dragsters, but there's really, you know, with sprint car racing, there's midgets and micros and and outlaw cars. There's all kinds of of, of kids, you know, things to do in, in dirt racing and, and my dad was actually really good friends with Daniel Lasowski, which is a, you know, decorated World of Outlaw driver. Um, and he got us started on the micro sprint deal, which, you know, we pretty much fell in love with it as soon as we started doing it. So um, we just kind of slowly moved our way up through the dirt racing deal through micros and, and made the jump to sprint cars here lately. So now we're, we're racing at the highest level.
9: What's next? I mean, I, we know that uh, you've got roughly 20 races in total with the 57 car this year. What else besides that run with Paul? are we going to see you doing here in 2018?
10: Yeah, so I'll probably do, you know, one to two races in my dad's. um, The stuff he owns, the 41 car um, at home around California. And then the majority of my season will be in the Midwest with Bernie Stupgen. He owns uh, Indy Race Parts, so it'll be the green 71 car that Joey Saldana drove last year. We'll uh, we'll race stuff like Ohio Speed Week and uh, a lot of all-star races, including Knoxville Nationals, uh, 360 Nationals, stuff like that. And then I'll kind of round my season up back in California with Paul.
9: Okay, so you just threw something that made my eyes get really wide really quickly. So talk for just a second about the association with Bernie, because I don't think that's something that's been widely talked about that you're going to get to do
10: this year. Right? Yeah. So um, I hadn't known Bernie. I, I really haven't met him that much. Talked to him a few times. Um, you know, he he talked to me about driving his car a little bit, and uh, you know, with his business and everything, it's hard for him to race. You know, more than you know, forty, thirty, forty times. So. What we'll do, it kind of worked out nicely in my schedule where I'll start out the year at home and uh, race with Paul. And then in about June, I'll probably go back to Indiana where he's at and uh, we'll get our stuff together and, and we'll race some all Star stuff. So, yeah, uh, Joey got obviously his, his running ride and it kind of opened up. So I guess he heard about me, um, you know, through people talking about me and, and want to put me in the car. So it's a great opportunity. That's a really
9: cool deal, Gio. And uh, how we always do this, before we let you go, we want to give you a chance to uh, give a shout-out to all the sponsors and supporters that help make it possible for you to get on the racetrack. Talk about who makes it happen for Gio Selzy.
10: Yeah, definitely my mom and dad for letting me do it. Um, Richard and Jennifer Marshall for being such a big part of, of my season this year. Um, you know, Sparko, all the people that you know kind of stick with me where I go. It, it means a lot.
9: Well... Let's keep in mind, listeners, he's 16. He's got a lot left to do. And, Gio, uh, real quick, just correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to be actually in the family car at Placerville this weekend?
10: Yes, sir, Saturday night.
9: It's going to be fun to watch. If you're in the California area, go out and see what this kid's all about. He has done a lot of great things. Gio, thanks for taking some time to talk with us. We'll look forward to having you back on soon.
10: Cool. Thank you, guys.
9: That is Gio Selzy. We're going to take a break. Bill's going to hit some buttons. And on the other side, we get to go to our last segment, and Jacob gets to catch up and have some fun with these guys since he's been listening for the past hour and a half. You're listening to Motorsports Magnus, and the white flag flies right after this on the Performance Motorsports Network.
8: How to be a great
5: dad in 15 seconds.
4: Modified driver Matt Hirschman, you're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network.
9: Welcome back to the Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. It is the final segment, and for the first time all night, I get to lead off with my name because I'm here. Jacob Seelman, (laughs) Tom Baker, (laughs) Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, and Steve Ovens talking racing, and as everybody's been referencing throughout this show... I was cruising quickly down the highway at back the speed from of Martinsville at the speed.
3: Well, the, the, was there was the there, speed <laughs> limit. It was the speed <laughs> limit, Jacob. You were doing the speed at limit. The speed of limit. <laughs> I was. I was going with the flow of traffic,
9: but you know, that's how that works on okay, the Okay, move on. Moving on. Anyway, so before we get too deep into our last, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, stop it. Stop it. There, are, there, are, there were no rockets or nitrous involved in this, though it's a nice thought. That, that that, allegedly. Admit.
3: allegedly. <laughs> that you
9: anyway, admit. you were saying. Yeah, I was saying, this. Fi- before we get too deep into this final segment. Regardless, Mark Richards loves the plug. Yes, he does. <laughs> Jacob has five bullet points from all the stuff that you talked about before I got here that he wants to hit on. Number one, going back to Tom's m- mention of this being one of the most emotional – victory celebrations in a long long time that was evidenced when Clint Boyer burst into the post-race press conference room hollering how about that (laughs) y'all this man has waited almost six full years to have a celebration like this. We we joked about it on this show over the offseason that when Clint Boyer got back to Victory Lane, I said when, others said if, but I said when Clint Boyer got back to Victory Lane, the party was going to be legendary. When you ask for a beer on national television in the middle and of not Victory just a Lane. Beer,
3: Jacob. What kind of beer did he want?
9: <laughs> he
2: wanted the damn beer,
3: and he <laughs> wanted it now.
2: And it was a tall beer,
1: too. It was <laughs> well, a
2: Harvick-sized beer. Jacob, I did say like at the top of the show that a lot of us had mentioned that he was eventually going to get one this season by yes. the, him just rocketing out of the gate and yes. Martinsville was definitely the perfect track to do it.
9: Absolutely, it was. I I just I love this. I love everything about this. Clint Boyer is something that NASCAR needs just from the sheer personality that he brings to the sport. We were talking on the Stock Car Show last week about the sport needing more personalities. There is no personality today that was any larger than life than Clint Boyer was in Martinsville Victory Lane. And I don't care who you are in NASCAR, um, just push the 14 through post-race inspection. Don't worry about that dent on the roof. I think we all know where <laughs> it came from. Yeah. It was more
3: like a crater. It looked like <laughs> what I saw on TV. Yeah,
9: I think we all know where that came from. Second bullet point that I want to mention, hello, rookies, from the Truck Series. Uh, actually, yeah. both of them got brought up earlier, but Corey Roper making his debut and finishing 13th in an XBKR truck, I got the chance to talk to him. All he's ever done before his Truck Series uh, career started this weekend was run late models in Texas. So this was a huge step up. He did an admirable job, and he said to me that likely Iowa in the summer is going to be their next race, but they are feverishly working towards being able to do a few more of them. And you'll hear the clip that I got with Corey uh, later this week on PMN, but... In addition to him, Tom, you mentioned it right towards the end of the Truck Series conversation, Dawson Cram finishing 17th for Beaver Motorsports. I'm not going to guarantee that that was the team's best finish ever, but I do believe it was their best non-restrictor plate result in the history of Mark Beaver as a truck owner with that 50 team. This was a huge result. The front end was bashed in. Dawson was exhausted and if you've ever seen dawson cram he's the littlest kid in the field (laughs) yeah he does
1: it doesn't take much to exhaust him no but he did an admirable
9: job and i couldn't believe it when i looked at timing and scoring at the end of the race and realized he had made it through on the lead lap and completed all 250 that was awesome uh number
2: yes chris since we've since we've all done it uh, and I have a feeling you're probably getting to it, but yeah, checkered flag, cool. black flag from both races.
9: That was going to be my third bullet point, actually. Thank you, Chris, for that plug. Checkered flag from the Cup Series race. He didn't win it, but my checkered flag is Martin Truex Jr., because this is a team that has not had the best track record for a while at the short tracks, but now they have two straight Martinsville runs. They finished second to Kyle Busch in the fall. They finished top five today, and Martin, though he never got to the head of the field really the way he wanted to outside of like the first four laps, he was there all day. And I feel like that is a harbinger of more great things to come from this 78 team. I can see them being one of the few, Cisco, to
3: (laughs) go out and You know, run for a second straight title, period. And Steve put it in our chat, but I was going to say the same thing. Keep in mind, that car was not great.
9: (laughs) But, again, that's why I'm giving it a checkered flag. Martin Truex did more than what he should have been able to do with that car.
1: That's why I'm giving him a checkered flag Let me just say this in a different way. Martin Truex did Martin Truex things. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Tom.
9: Black flag... Uh, from the cup race is dun 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 not Jimmy Johnson surprisingly. <laughs> See,
3: we gotta have different flags. We can't Steve, all just have the yes. same flag. It doesn't Steve work. Steve is depressed. Time. Yeah, so,
9: Steve
2: just Steve is just befuddled.
9: I'm not even going to totally agree with Tom. My black flag is for the entirety of Roush Fenway Racing. Like, hello, well, I guys. Kind of got there. You said Ricky Stenhouse. Yes, but my I black about flag the whole team. is the entirety of Roush Fenway Racing. Yeah. Like, um, hello, what the heck has happened here, boys? You guys were okay last year. Ricky was actually pretty good last year. Now they're just awful. I'm not even going to say bad. They're
1: awful right now. Well, no, I don't want to say they're awful right now. They were awful this weekend, and I understand. No, they've Ricky not been, been good the her, first six
9: races of the year.
1: I don't. I don't. Other they're than Daytona. Lunch, I, won't, yeah. I won't. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly awful. Tom, I won't say off.
4: I'll say it. They're awful. <laughs> Thank they you, Steve. <laughs> Roush Fenway right now is, <laughs> is, is right now a race car. With some dog doo doo and burnt hair <laughs> on oh. top of
9: it,
8: they ah. awful.
4: <laughs> yeah. wow.
9: Hey, Steve! Hey, Steve! I just went straight. For yeah, the I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> use the the oft old saying that uh, has popped up a time or two on this show. You can't polish that turd. Ooh, Just saying. Guys, He's
3: the most negative person apparently in the NASCAR media now. It's just like Well, <laughs> well you know, <laughs> terrible. They
9: should all be Hey, fire. hey guys, can I can I get them
1: like he sees. Yes, them. I do. Can I, I get can negative, I get to my flags Cisco. from the truck race? That was for Steve, but anyway, oh, go ahead, Jake. Sorry. I might
4: be negative, Cisco, but I'm honest. You are honest, yes, Steve. Can I, I,
9: I get can I get to and my flags from case, the truck you're race? Absolutely right.
1: Go ahead. All right. Awesome. Well, you asking us for permission for your show? Yeah, that's true. But We're just living. A- on
9: everybody it. was arguing. <laughs> everybody was arguing, and I didn't want to step all over everybody. So you checkered step f- in the doggy. Yeah. Dude? Well, checkered flag from the truck race. Hattori Racing Enterprises and Brett Moffitt for making the gutsy call. They made the gutsy call. They were different, and it didn't win them the race, but it surely to heck got them a better yeah. finish than they would have had otherwise. Uh, and I'll kind of co-checkered flag that with Nemco Motorsports' four-man crew that somehow put John Hunter Nemechek in victory lane again so much with so little in both of those cases. Black flag. Why is everybody hating on Todd Gilliland? Why? Somebody <laughs> explain that to me. I'm sitting here <laughs> listening. Did flag you watch the race, Jacob? Yes, did I did. I, I did watch it, but he was in contention to win the race until he sure, 30 to
1: go. After he went bowling with Johnny Sauter and, and Stuart Friesen. I mean, he's you know, a rookie. He was, he was way too aggressive. I'm sorry, but
9: these are things that are learned with time. And Todd will get there. It's his first, well, okay,
1: sorry, second race. It's not a personal thing. We're just commenting on events. It was
2: a black flag start. I will give Tom props. He made the point that it comes with time. That's right. It's fair.
9: My black flag, by the way, is uh, an unfortunate one, but it's for Matt Crafton, even though he was not – That was not of his own making. I mean, he ran into a Johnny Sauter who had no battery power. That's just bad luck. Yeah. Like I said earlier. (laughs) Yeah. It's just bad luck. But Matt's got to get something going right here. This season is starting to get me nervous because it's starting exactly like last year when he couldn't find his way to victory lane. Something's got to go right. And for me, that was my black flag today. And it's not even because Matt did anything
1: wrong. That 88 team has just got to get something St- going Steve I, okay I, Jake I don't get this Steve help me help me with this he just black flagged Matt Crafton because Johnny Sauter stopped in front of him no, and he couldn't avoid no, it no
9: no it's a it's a black flag for the overall cumulative that Matt Crafton can't oh, get all to right. victory lane
4: it's supposed to be about today's race go ahead Steve. The, o- the only thing I have to say for <laughs> Matt Crafton it's hey, bud, don't worry. Eldora's four more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: You've been high on Stuart Friesen. Steve, yeah,
4: you can't No, even say no, that. no, 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 no. I'm high on Friesen, but I want to be very clear Friesen's
1: not going to win Eldora. <laughs> See, and I'm, Friesen... the, I'm the one that picked Friesen to win Eldora. I, I called that about two yep. or three weeks ago. Yep. All right. Two more bullet points. My fourth bullet
9: point goes to Formula One, and it uh, it was referenced earlier as some listener. Yeah, thanks. That was me, by the way. Just saying. Well, I
1: didn't want to tell everybody you were oh. typing and driving,
9: see? I, actually, I was stopped on I-40 That's a at no that no. point. Oh, I sure was not were. driving. Okay. Anyway. It's like
1: you were driving the speed limit.
9: Yeah, you, you you can go back to drinking your water yeah, now. Jacob I just get Jacob hauled did.
3: away by the cops here.
9: All right, boy. Here's the de- here's the deal, plain and simple. Boys, My observation from Formula One. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton is still the favorite. Sebastian Vettel got lucky to win. The Isn't that grand part of F1, though? Yes, it is, but it doesn't mean it's going to change the overall product at the end of the season. <laughs> well, Louis, well, maybe not. He
3: gets but... the Patriots, it's like, you got lucky. But <laughs> yeah. Lewis I mean, since, since, well, yeah,
9: when... Hamilton is going to go on a string here and win about six races in a row, and we're not even going to be talking about Sebastian Vettel anymore. Well, he oh. was seven-tenths of a second faster than everybody in qualifying. That was a lap of the gods at Albert Park for Pete's sake. Lewis Hamilton is going to smoke everybody for the next month. One Be lap was not
1: a champion make, but certainly it was <laughs> super impressive. I, I hope you're wrong. That's all I'm yeah. going to say because yeah. Formula One desperately needs some real competition. Yeah. My final bullet point goes to the Outlaws
9: and it's in rebuttal to uh, everybody saying, oh, Sheldon Hodden shield this, Sheldon Hodden shield that. Listen. Oh, here we go. <laughs>
7: Here we go. Listen,
9: I'm giving Sheldon a lot of props right now. He's won three races. That's awesome. I'm thrilled for him. It's great for the series to see him up front doing what he should have done last year in his family car but couldn't close the deal. However, Sheldon had also been in two or three B-mains prior to that third win of the season at Bakersfield— just because Donnie Schatz has to come out a 1B main doesn't automatically all that of a wasn't sudden. things. it was the first one of the year things. for
1: Schatz. Go back.
9: Yeah, it was. All right. Anyway, yeah. Donnie came from the B main and he drove all the way up to have a great points night in sixth. I'm yes. sorry. Strong sixth. A great points night. It is when you're only gaining two Are there points of position. great Sheld- points
3: nights in World of
9: Outlaws. Yes. No. Yes. like Yes.
1: Sh- no. Sheldon
9: made up 10 points. That's it. That's all you made up. I'm still picking the 15, and I'm staying on it. Okay. But, hey, with that, that's our last segment, which is fun because at least I got to argue my piece for a minute. So we're done. Thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, and our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Sue Mason, Bill Holt from CSB, Behind the Glass, and all the folks at PMN that make this show possible. And for Tom Baker, Steve Oven, Cisco Scaramuza, and Chris Murdoch, I'm Jacob Seelman thanking our special guest, Gio Selzi and reminding you, keep it off the wall, folks. And if you're headed to a racetrack sometime in the near future, we might just see you there till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com motorsports madness is a copyrighted production of the performance motorsports network www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com a member of the scorpion radio group incorporated and may not be rebroadcast replicated or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of pmn check out our facebook page or our section in the pmn website the opinions expressed on this program are those of the host co-hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.